There's too many things that you have to do to get ready to be able to talk. You got to get the got to get the podium out. You got to get your stuff out. You got to make sure the microphone's on. You got to make sure that the uh, phone is recording. Uh, I hope I don't. I hope I didn't forget anything. <clears throat> About five years ago, actually five years ago in June, Mary and I and Will moved into the house that we live in. We hadn't been there too long. We woke up one morning and it was really hot in the house. Well, I called a guy to come and check out our air conditioning unit, and he came and he put in a fluid. Uh, you know, I don't know a whole lot about it, but he put in you know this uh, this uh, the stuff. But he said they don't make them like this anymore. That they have a different style, whatever it may be, and they're, they're more efficient or whatever. And he said that, in fact, this fluid is even hard to get because they don't really need that because they don't make those kinds of things. But he said, you should be fine. So last summer, <clears throat> we had another problem with it. It's about 25 years old, so it, it was inevitable. And then a, a guy came and worked on it. And then this past week, same thing happened again. I got home from work and Mary's mom and Will were there and I felt like I walked into a sauna. Mary's mom said it didn't feel too bad at all to her. So, uh, you know, you, Jill, you and her probably uh, match real well. But when the guy that came to fix it, he came out that night and he looked at it and he told me, he said, it's about shop. He said, I can put this one piece on it. And he said, that can help, maybe. But he said, the next time you call me, it's going to have to be replaced. Well, he put a thing on it, and it worked for a day. And I called him, and I said, well, John, you'll have to, you know, you just go ahead, and you're going to have to come on out. Well, we, in the meantime, we had actually already decided that we were just going to have him go ahead and put it in anyway, because it was inevitable what was going to happen. Of course, it would happen to happen, <laughs> of course, it would happen over later day, so... But he came yesterday, worked on it for three or four hours, however long it was, put all the new stuff in. I was at work. He sent me a text. He said, everything's good to go. When I walked in to the house, it felt like it does here. It was cool. It was nice. No hot. You know, I, I knew sleeping would be comfortable. All of that. So it was just like that. Our air conditioning unit passed from death to life. Now I think about, and I, I say this, some of you are thinking, I lived seven years without air conditioning. I, I get that, okay? But you're probably not going to build a house without one now. So once you got it, you probably don't want to go back to the old way. But once, it seems like sometimes we don't realize what we have until it's gone. And then you really start missing it. Because there's no way that next Thursday, I'm going to think, wow, it's really nice that this air conditioning unit is here. And I'm definitely going to think about it, you know, six months from now. But when we miss those things, that's when we sort of start to realize, oh, wow, really glad to have it. So it sort of passed, I, I use the term passing from death to life because we're going to talk a little bit about that here tonight. So go to 1 John chapter 3, and for the most part, we're going to be in verses 10 through 15. We're going to be in 1 John chapter 3, verses 10 through 15. The last time that we were together, 
we had talked about uh, the handful of verses before that. Uh, it, it's sort of talking about whether or not a Christian was able to sin. And, and I think we came to the conclusion uh, that a person who is walking in God should not desire to sin. But on the flip side, that all of us sin and make mistakes in life. And that, you know, there's a difference in sins of an accidental nature when we realize, oh, I have done something wrong and a purposeful decision to say, I want to do this and do this and do this and do this. And so we're going to dive a little bit more into it tonight. And my Bible calls this the, the imperative of love. And if you're thinking about this in strictly a vocabulary sense, what's the opposite of love? Hate. And we're going to see that word emerge a few times in these few verses. And I would, like, I would guess that most of you are similar to me. We don't really like to use the word hate very often. Because there are things that we dislike. But hate sort of, you know, at least in that English language, seems to sort of go to that next step. And it's like, well... You know, there's, there's foods that I don't like. I'm not going to say I hate them. I mean, I, I would eat it if I was dying or, you know, whatever it might be. But that term, hate or, you know, dislike, it's a little bit different. But we're going to see what how hate is used here, and we'll look back in some other, uh, in, in some other verses as well. But let's look first. We're going to read the whole thing to start with. 1 John chapter 3, verses 10 through 15. Leland, do you care to read that for me, sir? So we'll get into each of these uh, here in just a second. But we read in verse 10, in this, the children of God. And again, we're following up from where we were last week. Uh, it talks about uh, the last verse, whoever's been born of God does not sin for his seed remains in him and he cannot sin because he's been born of God. Keep that in mind as we go forward. In this, the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. So sort of made known, obvious, shown, however you want to use that word. Whoever does not practice righteousness is what? Not of God. Not of God. Nor is he who does not what? Love his does not love his brother. So we've got two things right there that are descriptors of someone who is not of God. The first descriptor of someone who is not as God says, whoever does not what? And we've used that word righteousness numerous times, but righteousness is what? The word is sort of there. Doing the right thing. thing. Uh Who would we model ourselves after if we were trying to be righteous? Christ. And so if we're not practicing righteousness, then it says we're not in God, but 
that's a fair statement because we're not modeling ourselves after who? Christ. If you model yourself after me, or if I model myself after you, or if you model yourself after the person that lives on the left side or to the right side of your house, what's the problem with modeling ourselves after each other or those people? They have faults. They have faults. We all have faults. Now, does that mean that I can't look at people or have people in my life that I would strive to emulate? No. Absolutely not. There are characteristics about every single person in this room that all of us, if we made a list, we could say, I would like to have that part of Marilyn, and I would like to have that part of Kelly, and I would like to have that part of Ron. But if I said everything, well, it's, it's unrealistic because all of us sin. If I'm saying I want to be exactly like Ron in every single way, or if Ron says he wants to be exactly like me in every single way, well, the problem with that is, is that I can't be perfect. So we should model ourselves after perfection. Thoughts? Paul said to imitate him as he imitated Christ. <clears throat> Absolutely. Imitate him as he imitated Christ. When we think about that pattern, that righteousness, that who we're following. And a lot of us, in many cases, Mary used a good point there. A lot of us would probably look at Paul and say, hey, that's a pretty good, you know, if I'm ranking the people to model myself after, there's a lot of characteristics here. But Paul says, you're not, modeling, you're not, you're not following me. You're not trying to be like me. You're trying to be like me and only in the fact that I'm trying to be like Christ. Let's go into that verse just a little bit more then. The second part, nor is he who does not love his brother. So, whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. Now, let's think about that for a second. Because I feel like that the righteousness one makes sort of sense. Because righteousness seems like sort of a church word, right? You know, I'm going to try and be righteous, you know. But does not love his brother, what does that mean?
can go with what Mary said there about it. If there's some, you know, there, there may be people in our lives that we don't like, then the follow-up should be to try and at least remedy that situation. And if it can't be remedied, make it a point to sort of do your best to, I guess, get along with it. Because a lot of people, I feel like, take that, take that and they think, well, I don't like Wilma. And then I'm going to try to just make life miserable for her in the process. I'm going to be mean and hateful to her. Something like that. Well, it's understandable that people, we have different personalities. People are going to clash. You may not always see eye to eye. But should we strive to harm someone else or make their life terrible? That feels like that's where that hate sort of comes in right there. We're not trying to, you know, it's like, I'm not trying to say, well, you know, there, there are people in our lives that we're not going to see eye to eye with. That's just how things are. But when we say, I want to make it awful for them, that's where that hate sort of comes. And the word hate is used there in verse 10, and it says, anyone who hates their brother wife is not of God. And we're going to come back to that in just a second. I know some of you are thinking, let's go back to the Sermon on the Mount. We'll get there in a second. I don't want to go there just yet. Verse 11. For this is the message that you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. This is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. So when I was sort of prepping for this and thinking about this, I thought, heard from the beginning. Well, when I hear the word beginning, I think about Genesis. I think about in the beginning. But this is actually Paul, or excuse me, John, sort of preaching this sermon to people. Who is he referencing here when he says, you have heard from the beginning? 
He's talking about Christ. He's talking about Jesus' teachings from the get-go. What books of the Bible are we going to find Jesus' teaching? Where are most of the words in red? The four Gospels. In particular, Matthew, Mark, and Luke uh, for for a lot of the sort of step-by-step process. So I want us to turn first to Matthew chapter 22. Matthew chapter 22. And this may be a bit repetitive, but when somebody says, you've been told this before, and you follow up by saying, where have I seen that before? It's nice to be able to go back and look and see where that was. And if you've been told multiple times, then maybe that helps it a little bit uh, to, to kind of define it for you a little bit more than that. Matthew chapter 22. Okay. Matthew chapter 22. I, I hope, yeah, I'm, I'm in the right spot. Matthew chapter 22, verses 35 through 40. Jill, do you care to read Matthew 22, 35 through 40? So when we read these verses right here, this is someone questioning Jesus and asking a very valid question. Now he's probably in the sense, he's probably trying to trick Jesus into you know, an answer, maybe. I, I don't know about that, but this is a valid question. What's the most important command? Now, what he's hoping here is that Jesus will say, Well, this one. And then he's gonna say, Well, what about this one? You know, people still do that today, right? They said, what's the most important law in the United States? Well, you say this one. What about this one? Well, then what about this one? Well, you got, all of a sudden you got people debating with each other. Jesus said the most important thing is to do what? What's the first thing? Love the Lord your God with all your heart. Well, that's easy. That's what Christianity is all about. Period. The sentence is over. But that's not what he says. He follows it up by then saying what? A second commandment is what? To love your neighbor as you love him. Now, that's a hard one, right? Because we're talking about hate and love. It's easy for me to say, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. I'm supposed to love God. I'm supposed to love Christ. I I get that. But I've got to love this other person as well. But he says what? He follows it up the the next last verse and last verse. He said, on this what? On this hangs the law of the prophets. What's he really saying right there? It's the foundation of the Bible. It's God's foundation for mankind. It's the foundation of what every single thing is built on. If you don't do these two things, you're not going to do the other side. So let's go back to what we just read a minute ago in First John. I, I, you know, I don't really like these people that I come in contact with. John says you hate them. And you're saying, well, I can do that and maybe not know. Because there's nothing else that we will do. I'm not going to help someone. I'm not going to show that Christ-like way of living if I don't like it. And as we go back to what Raymond said there, you got to treat those people the same way you treat yourself. Now, Jesus tells the parable of the Good Samaritan may be going there. And the Samaritans were hated. They really were hated by the Jewish people. Jesus tells a story how that this man was helped 
by this person who probably the guy laying there damaged or hurt very very badly is him or somebody who probably hates him. Right. I heard about a British soldier, British officer in World War One. I read the story that they they said we have blood here for you. And he said I won't take it unless it's from one of the kings, queens, uh, people. And they said it was not. He died. And he hated those people that day. <laughs> we'll take the blood. Okay? You know what I mean? And that's what the Samaritan. You know, maybe that guy was conscious laying down the road, if he was or not. He might have said, "Don't help me. Get away from me." But when you really need help, you'll take it. You'll take it. The Good Samaritan was the one in Luke, so we won't go to that one. But go to Mark uh, chapter 12, verses 28 through 34. And Daniel, those things that you just read there, those verses, that's from Deuteronomy. That's from the beginning yes. of the Bible. So you can even refer back and say, when he said, you've heard from the beginning. Well, it, yes, indeed, you actually have heard from the beginning. If you go all the way back to the, to the law, or to the original. So let's go to Mark chapter 12. Uh, verses 28 through 34. We're going to read this, but more importantly, I, I want you to listen to what Jesus says, and that's going to sound, it's going to be, it's basically what we read in Mark, but, or in Matthew, but I want you to also pay attention to the response that comes in the book of Mark after Jesus' response. Okay? So after what Jesus said, I want you to think back and read, uh, pay attention to what is the response comes from that. Mary, do you care to read verses Mark chapter 12, 28 through 34? Okay, so I'm sorry. So this is the, this is the same story. Uh, as we know, the Gospels are all sort of telling the same story, but it's different people telling it. So you're, at, you're he's asked the same question. How does Jesus respond, Mary? Jesus answered them. The first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love your, the Lord with your, uh, the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and all your strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is like it, uh, like it is this. You shall love, the neighbor, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. So it's not exactly word for word, but the main point is the same for Matthew and for Mark. But we're going to read about four more verses beyond that. Maybe how do the people respond to this? So the scribe said to him, Well said, teacher, you have spoken the truth. For there is one God, and there is no other before he. And to love him. Okay, so right there, he sort of follows up and he says, that's exactly right. I agree with that. You have said, I agree with what you're saying. That that's the most important thing. But Jesus doesn't just... Jesus doesn't say, you know, he doesn't just let them go on the way. Jesus responds to what the scribe said. Maybe the last couple. Now when Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said so Jesus responds says, you are not far from the kingdom of God. What's he saying right there? Yeah, I got to have a battery. What is he saying right there when he says, you are not far from the kingdom of God? Huh? Church? Okay. Uh, that's not really how I would 
interpret what he's saying right there. sort of the losers here uh, in that. But the scribe, this scribe here, he seems to have it figured out, or he's pretty close. He says, I agree with this. And Jesus said, you're not far from the kingdom of God. You're just, you just about got this figured out. And the response from other people, nobody asks any more questions, right? Why do you think nobody asks any more questions? Let me think verse 34 says, nobody dared ask any more. Well, Jesus is just a plain old country bumpkin. And he's talking to a guy that knows the law, chapters and fours, you know, the scribe of it. And this poor little guy from Galilee that don't seem to have a good sick, you know, I mean, people are questioning. He, uh, he answered the question perfectly. And the lawyer even had, I mean, the scribe had to say, what? That's... So, you know, most of the people were probably uninterested. Oh, well, if, if, if the scribe, if he knows as much as the scribe, but he's, not a, he's not a scribe. He's not a Pharisee. He is just a regular, you know, in Acts, late in Acts, when Paul uh, goes before, uh, he's talking to Agrippa, and Agrippa says, Paul, almost thou persuadest me to be a Christian. And he said, I would that you would be not almost, but altogether such as I accepted these chains. Sometimes when you get really close, you don't want to ask any more, because you might be in the camp pretty quick. And you can almost see that with the scribe here. And these other people that are around the scribe, Jesus said, you're very close to having this figured out. Nobody asked any more questions because they might be a follower of Christ, a follower of Christ real soon uh, as they, uh, the, the way that he answers, uh, the way that he's answered these questions. Let's go back to uh, 1 John, where we were uh, just a moment ago. Let's go to verse 12. Yes. Right. I think, the, and, 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 and that's what said. if you don't get rid of the hatred in your heart, you can't be drawn to Jesus. And once he got rid of, once he heard the words of Jesus, he got rid of hatred. And I know that's fiction, but that's the way it is. That's as real as can be. That's what Jesus is saying. You've got to get rid of the hatred but in he, your heart. He kept that hatred all those years that he was a rower on that yeah. boat. <laughs> and normally they last about three months. When you, when it's your shift on the boat, sent there men and wars, and that ran and speed, and that attack speed, and all that, they went to the bathroom right there on the <laughs> season. They said they had no opportunity, and their normal lifespan was three months. He lived, he did that for years. But when he met Christ, and Christ gave him the water, uh, that's the best thing in the whole movie. And then he lost, like Roy said, then he lost the hatred. So that, you know, he, 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 and somehow we have to figure out how to get rid of the hatred in our lives. Uh, a lot of people, a lot of people have them. We have to figure out how to get drive that. Verse eleven ends in a comment and goes into verse twelve, and we see a reference to something uh, from almost the very beginning of the Bible. Uh, not as Ke- he had just said that we should love one another, comma. 
Verse 12, not as Cain, who was of the wicked one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his works were evil and his brothers righteous. So he's saying we need to model ourselves. We need to be, we need to love one another. And he gives an example of somebody that would have been known. At least the story would have been known. This is way, way after the fact. But he says, think about Cain. And he said, Cain's works were of what? They were evil. They were of the wicked one, is what it says right there. Well, we talked about that last week, right? Is that the the, 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 the idea of sin just comes from Satan. And Cain kills Abel in the, in the Genesis story because Abel had done what? He had offered a more acceptable sacrifice. So in this, in what we read here in 1 John, it says that Cain killed Abel because Cain was of the wicked one, but Abel was what? Was righteous, okay? And he said, "You're we, we model ourselves not after the one who gets mad over somebody who is righteous." I'm kind of reading into this a little bit. Instead of getting mad at the person who is Christ-like, who's righteous, what should we do? We should practice that. The story of Cain and Abel is designed to teach us something, right? What is the story of Cain and Abel designed? To, what are we supposed to take from that story? Because I don't believe it's just, oh, here, here's something that happened, you know, we'll write it down. Well, what is the purpose of the story of Cain and What am I supposed to learn from that story? I am. And what should Cain have done in that situation? The Bible doesn't say, but clearly here in this, right here, it doesn't say it said that God said that Abel's sacrifice is more acceptable. Cain, they clearly had been told what to offer, and Cain disobeyed God. Okay. So we need to obey. Just like uh, uh, Saul told us, Saul, Samuel told us, King Saul, Saul, he said to obey is better than offer sacrifice. Right. Uh, don't want the king brought back. Don't want the fat cow brought back. I don't want sacrifices. I want obedience. And that's what God has commanded throughout the Bible. It shows that, that with the able sacrifice, he was doing exactly what God said. Cain obviously brought the best of the fruits of the field. I, I would say those fruits and vegetables <laughs> was, was state fair quality. But it, was but it not. wasn't what God said. Yeah. So that shows you that, that shows you too that all religions are not right. So let's think about this then for just a second. If we look back at that Cain and Abel story in, in, in Genesis, what Cain should have done is he should have recognized that what Abel did was righteous, was that was the right thing, and he should have said, I need to do better. Okay, but so okay. Well, the Genesis stories don't matter because we're way, way back. Well, no. Do we sometimes see in the church somebody who does something good and other people get mad about? That happens even today. That's you know, it's like well, Genesis. That's forever ago. No, people are still the same now. Now we may not kill them, but let's go back to what it said there. If we hate somebody, and people will hate other people in the church. Over works that other people in the church do. And she's always she's always trying to show everybody up by running back. Wait a minute, that doesn't make any sense. But that stuff people get mad about, Connie. That's what I think it shows jealousy. Yes. We shouldn't be jealous of what the other person does and be open to what they do and you know appreciate what they do and not be jealous of it. Amen. Yeah.
That's really hard to do. But to me, that, that's sort of an example of how we should be. But too many times, Leo, there's been too many people in your situation that's like, I ain't going back apologizing, you know, for, for, for whatever it might be. Let's go to verse 13. David could have done like David whenever David came to him. Uh-huh. David said, I have sinned. Right. And that's what came to him. He said, I've sinned, God. I will fix it. Yes. And, but instead, no, he gets mad and kills his brother. You know? And that's the worst thing. Verse 13, do not marvel, my brethren, if the world hates you. So you shouldn't, we've read this numerous times. It's, this is mentioned two or three times already in First John. But do not marvel, my brethren, if the world hates you. So when he says marvel there, he's, what he's saying is, don't be surprised. Don't, don't you know, people dislike me? You know, don't be surprised by that. He said, do not marvel if the world hates you. Verse 14, we know that we have passed from what to what? From death to life because why? We love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death. Some versions don't say his brother. Some just say he who does not love abides in death. So let's think about that verse 14 in particular. How do we remain or uh, abide in death or however you want to, whatever your translation of verse 14 says? How do we remain in death? Don't think too hard on it. It's the last, last uh, sentence in the verse there. I think it's talking about sin. Okay. This would be a sin. <laughs> Let's go back. Let's read the last part of verse 14 again. He who does not love his brother abides in death. So when I'm asking, how does one remain or abide or sort of be in death? It's if we don't what? If we don't love our brother. So we know that we have passed from death to life, meaning that we should be died, that we should be dead, that Christ died for our salvation. We've been baptized. We've been saved. We have moved you know, into a better state. How do you reward that? But it said you're still in the same situation if you're going to hang your brother. I feel like I'm repeating this over and over again because these same verses come up so many times in the Bible. We looked at them when we saw them in the Old Testament. We looked at them in Matthew. We looked at them in Mark. We looked at them in Luke. We looked at them right here in 1 John. On this hangs the law. I mean, he was, Jesus wasn't kidding when he said, love the Lord your God and love your neighbor as yourself. It's stressed numerous times here. And, and, and we have to keep that in mind when we deal with these folks. Now, that's doubly hard, though, because it says in verse 13, what, is the pe- what are the people going to think about you? In verse 13. The people are going to hate you. So if I were to say that, uh, if I were to say that Ella loves me more than anything in the world, well, it's really easy for me to love Ella because I know Ella loves me. But if you were to tell me that Ella cannot stand me, for whatever reason, she just cannot stand me, I will start to question Ella. More why she doesn't like me. Now, it's real easy to love back the person that loves you. The person that doesn't love you, well, yes. 
You should. Hopefully. Yeah. Hopefully. This, if you like this example, though, just to finish, finish up what I'm saying with me now. The first thing that I thought of when I said, Ella doesn't like me, first, I don't know if you heard it come out of me, I was like, what's wrong with Ella? Do you notice that? It's like, why don't she like me? We should approach that. If somebody dislikes us, what should we do? plank in the stack, right? Well, he's looking over and goes, I wonder why she doesn't like me. I wonder why all of these people don't like me. Sometimes we talk all about them. Well, when we look at verses 13 and 14, it says your people aren't going to like you, but we still have to strive to like them. We have to love our brother uh, in the process of this. Questions? Taught you when you in teaching school, don't ever ask a question that you don't already know the answer to. So, uh, you know, I was putting that out there for you, but there's a reason that I ask you that. Verse 15 of 1 John chapter 3 Whoever hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. So, when I read that, I think that's a little much, John. He who hates his brother has eternal life is a murderer. And you already told me I have to like people that I didn't like. I can't hate them. Now you're describing my hatred of this person who I already don't like. You're describing this as murder. John, slow down. Wait a minute. Let's find words of bread that actually 
confirm this. Go to Matthew chapter 5, verse 21 through 26. Matthew chapter 5, verse 21 through 26. Now, a minute ago, I asked you how many words in 1 John were in red. How many words in Matthew chapter 25, verses 21 through 26 are in red? All of them, okay? So I'm going to read 21 through 26, and I want you to think about what we've studied tonight and tell me if this sounds familiar or not. Matthew chapter 5, 21 through 26. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whoever says to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. But whoever says, you fool, shall be in danger of hellfire. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First, be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Agree with your adversary quickly. While you are on the way with him, lest your adversary deliver you to the judge. The judge hand you over to the officer and you be thrown into prison. Assuredly, I say to you, you will by no means get out of there until you have paid the last penny. Now, was there anything that I just read that sounds familiar to what we've talked about tonight? Let's look at it. The first, when you bring your offering to the altar, but you've offended your brother... What do you need to do first? Leave the gift and go fix it. John talked about Cain and Abel. What if Cain and Abel, what if in the story of Cain and Abel, Cain had followed this advice that Jesus gave right here? Is that not what we talked about? Is that not what John referenced there just a few moments ago? We talked tonight about disliking people. Having things that come up in our lives with people that bother us or aggravate us or lead us to hate. Jesus said, murder begins where? In the heart. In the heart is where that hatred comes from, right? You said at the beginning, you got to get that hatred out. We're not going to do that. We're not going to hate our brother if we get that out of us. If it stays in there, if you let that fester and boil, you know how it's going to come out. It's not going to come out good. Seems like John can do what he's talking about here, right? You know, we like to be able to refer. I said at the beginning, I like for us to be able to go back and refer. When somebody's asked you a question, but I found that right here. You can find everything from 1 John that we've read tonight. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The red written words of Jesus. Questions? <laughs> I have heard that. Yeah. And generally, if you hate somebody, even if you don't ever, just say once again the guy next door at the park says, "If I hate that person, okay, I may never go over there burning the building down or, or, or you know, or murdering him, anything like that. But what's the likelihood of me ever extending a hand to help him with something or telling him about Jesus? Right. It's zero. Right? Define the word hate. That's what I'm What do you mean by hate? Define that word. What do you think? I just had all kinds of 
I'm not going to answer. You're the teacher. I know. But you're the student. I don't want you to think about that. Well, here's what I would say, and this is not an answer. But if it feels like you're bordering on hate, you're probably already well past it. I've always heard hate defined as a, uh, I want you to hate. Uh, I want Daniel, I want him to have a terrible life. I want him to have a terrible death. And I want him to go hate. That's, that's hate. Uh, hate is, is not, I don't, he, he, he stole my badness from me. I'm mad at him. That's not hate. Uh, hate is, I, I, I don't want any good to come to Daniel in this life or in that. That's what, that's why I'm trying to describe that. Wish harm. Okay. I think sometimes that could be interpreted differently by different people. I think our situations, you know, present us, diff- we, we're presented different situations that I think in many ways challenge us. Okay. And, 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 you know, just like we talk about temptations, things that bother you don't bother me and vice versa. I, I think things that might make us skew toward hatred or dislike of other people, that might not bother me at all. It might bother you. I think we have to be prayerful about it. We have to think about it. We have to constantly try to do everything we can with with love in our heart because otherwise it's really easy to slip into uh, that. Well, that's not an answer, but I'm not giving you a a definitive answer. I I understand. I I don't know that there's, I'm not sure what the right answer is to that question. And it may be, the the answer for you may be different from over here. I, I think Either good pie or a bad wife. There's not enough words in the English language to, as compared to the Greek, that tells And hate can absolutely mean somebody said back there, love less, like Mary said. It absolutely, times in the Bible means to love less. But absolutely, times means to wish eternal damnation upon people, okay? So we've got to be careful when we start saying this is the only way that hate means. It does not mean that. Agreed. If somebody told me right now, I said, you like sauerkraut. I said, I hate it. Okay? Well, I don't wish it no ill will, but I don't like sauerkraut. Okay? <laughs> I strongly, strongly can't stand the smell of it. Can't right. Stand the looks of it, and I'm never going to try it. Connie, did you have a question? I thought I saw you. No, I'm hot. I'm bad. Oh. <laughs> All right. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll, yeah. She's for the air conditioning. The dictionary says to feel intense or passionate dislike for someone. Intense or passionate. But, I, but that's vague. I, you know, what's intense? Well, I, like a circus fire, right? That's predicated on what you would take that to. Right. Could be. All right. Thank you.